This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're like, wait a second, what happened to Business with Purpose? You should go back a couple of episodes. Well, actually, I guess at this point, it was the last episode. This is episode 331. And you can hear all about why this podcast has a brand new name. So I am so excited that you're here. And I am so excited about this first episode kicking off the new podcast name, Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? And let me tell you that we get right into it. And something that you can come to expect on this show is much more topical type conversations where we're going to hone in on something that I think is really important to talk about. And on this very first episode, my guest is Sandra Stanley, and we are talking all about parenting. But wait, 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 if you don't have kids, don't click away, because let me tell you, there is something for everyone in this episode, because we talk a lot about conflict resolution and what it looks like to really focus on relationships. And so this is the kind of conversation that I guarantee everybody can get something out of. Now, if you don't know who Sandra Stanley is, she is wife to Andy Stanley. They are parents of three grown children and co-founders of North Point Ministries. They're seasoned experts on faith and parenting. And together, Sandra and Andy have spent decades counseling countless families, mentoring others, and learning from mentors of their own, all while leading one of the largest churches in the country. They have a new book that comes out next week, which you can pre-order right now, and it is called Parenting, Getting It Right. And in it, they combine their experience and wisdom into a guide that helps readers understand and live by essential parenting principles. In this conversation today, we talk all about what it is when we're talking about getting parenting right, getting it right. What is it? And it's going to look different for everybody. I am telling you that we had such a great conversation. I am so excited to kick this off. And there really was nobody better to kick off this brand new title, this brand new brand for the podcast, Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder, than with none other than Sandra Stanley. So without further ado, on to my chat with Sandra. Sandra, I'm so honored for you to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Okay. So, you know, sometimes I'm sure that you're of the mindset that, you know, somebody will see your name and they think they know everything about you, but we know that that's not the case. So give us the Sandra 101. So who you are, what do you do and how you got to where you are? All right. Well, um, so I'm Sandra Stanley. I'm married to Andy. We have been married 34 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We have three kids. They're all married. So Andrew, our oldest is 30 and he's married to Anna and he's our stand-up comedian, as you know. 
And then Garrett is our middle son. He's 28. He's married to Danielle and um, Andrew. Uh, let's see. So back to Andrew. Andrew's comedian. Anna's a, an attorney, which is really a good thing. He needed insurance and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> works out really well. Yeah. We adore her. She's our newest addition. They actually just got married in September. Oh, that's awesome. And um, so then our middle son, Garrett, and his wife, Danielle, have been married five years. And Garrett is in marketing. He's in digital marketing. And Danielle is in construction design. And then Allie, our daughter, and our youngest is 26. She's married to Clay. And they are both in ministry and just gave us our first grandbaby. So oh. I'm a grandmother. Oh, I love it. It's like the most important thing to tell you in all of this Sandra 411 stuff. <laughs> um, our, our little granddaughter is two weeks old. So <gasps> congratulations. Um, still, uh, we're still enjoying all the little newborn, you know, snuggling and all that kind of stuff. And let's see. So my, my primary ministry focus is foster care. Andy and I have been foster parents since 2010, mm. and we've had kids in and out. We've done some respite. We've done some some primary placements, and um, really a large, you know, some of what I do on a daily basis is working with our fostering together team. That's our ministry to the foster families um, through our church campuses. And so I have the privilege of, of having my hands in that some. And um, in this season of life as empty nesters, we are just having a good time doing some writing projects. Obviously, this parenting project we've just finished together and um, just kind of enjoying friendship years with our kids. It's, it's a really sweet season that we're in now. Well, I love the way, so I started reading your new book and for the listeners, it's called Parenting, Getting It Right, which I also just have to say um, on the press kit, when I, when I first learned about the book and I was reading about it, I love that you had each of your kids endorse it and <laughs> their endorsements of it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> they were hilarious. And I love That's that you so included funny. that. Yep. Well, my, we wanted to only have them because we thought, <laughs> what other endorsement do you need if your kids endorse your parenting book, right? So um, anyway, and they all fancy themselves comedians, as we all five do, which gets a little crazy around our house, you know, when everybody's around trying to outdo <laughs> each other with our humor. But we do have a really, really good time. I love so it. I appreciate you noticing it and liking it. Oh, Thank it was it, it really made me laugh. And I'll, for the listeners, I'll read one of them. And it's my favorite. And it's okay. uh, from your son, Andrew. And he says, my parents yeah. are attempting to profit from my mistakes. So it only seemed fair that I would profit from theirs. <laughs> oh, well, he's been doing comedy longer than we've had this book writing project going. <laughs> and I told him one day, I said, Gary, I said, Andrew, I really feel like I deserve a cut from every single one of your stand-up gigs. <laughs> I deserve a cut. I'm your primary um, content, it seems like. And so anyway, I'll be expecting a quarterly check. I love so it. So far. Oh, so it's far, fantastic. So yeah. good. So good. <laughs> okay. So you, but uh, you and Andy wrote this book together and I, well, one, I just, I love listening to parents that are in your stage of life that are in the, 
you know, that that what you've called the friendship years, your empty nesters. But I love that you really approach this from so many different angles, so many different facets. I mean, you've had busy lives. You've been in ministry. You've, you know, been married for 34 years and you've raised three kids and you've fostered. And I have so many dear friends who are foster families. And it's something, you know, my family and I are currently praying about, you know, is that something that God's calling us to do? And that none of that is easy. And so I really appreciate people who come at this from a, hey, we're not experts, but here's what's worked for us. And we want to help shepherd other parents um, on their journey because parenting is hard. So I'm in the, I'm kind of in that I'm leaving the discipline years to more of the, um, what's the second stage? I haven't, I haven't memorized them all. The training. Starting to train. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a a six and a nine-year-old. And so I'm just really in that kind of almost transitional phase and and it's hard. Parenting is hard. So um, the first question I wanted to ask is what is it and like how do you define yeah. it because when you say getting it right what it what is it yes what is it that is the that's a great question in fact in the subtitle of the book we have it in parentheses because we don't want to communicate getting it right you know parenting getting it right we have all the answers for all of your parenting dilemmas you know we're just going to answer all of your questions and there's a right way and there's a wrong way because we all know that's not true right and there are no perfect parents there are no perfect kids and we're all just you know we're just going day to day trying to get this thing right right and so we decided early on and 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 really um in this season looking back over the years of our parenting and over all those different seasons and stages of parenting there were a few things that we realized we had learned along the way that we didn't even necessarily know we had learned mm. until we really sat down to go, okay, what, what worked, what didn't work, all that stuff. So we just really, it st- actually starts with a story. So I'm going to start with a quick story of how we determined what our it was. Um, my family uh, is a very close knit family and my parents rent a house on Hilton Head Island every Labor Day, I mean, Memorial Day week. And we all go down there, my siblings, their kids, all of us. And we all have this together time. Well, when when Andrew, our oldest, was a baby, Andy and I were making our trek to Hilton Head. And we just started thinking, okay, oh my goodness, we have kids, we're parents. Gosh, that seems like that's big. You know, yeah. we're all of a sudden we're parents. What do we do? And so we thought maybe we should set some goals, you know. And then we thought, okay, well, we're not really concrete goal setters. So um, that's not going to, you know, that was kind of short, short-lived. And um So then we decided, okay, Andy says, you know what I want? What I want at the end of the day, I want our family to look like your family, Mm -hmm. to be so connected where you all want to be together. You like each other. You don't just love each other. You like each other and you want to be together. He said, that's what I want for our family. And so we decided what our it was in that moment. We thought, okay, our it, the thing that we want to parent toward is having a relationship with our kids that when they launch out of our home, they want to be with us still and with each other still, even when they don't have to be. Not in a codependent weird way, but in a, hey, we're healthy adults, but we still love getting together with each other. And so we decided that's our it. And we recognize that everybody has an it, whether they've identified it or not. Mm. You know, some people are parenting toward obedience or they're parenting toward their kid playing in an NFL one day, or they're parenting toward, you know, some kind of, I don't know, everybody's parenting in a direction, whether they realize it or not. And we thought, you know what, we want to determine the direction in which we're parenting on the front end, because we all know that direction determines destination, whether Mm -hmm. we 
are intentional about it or not, the direction we're moving in will determine where we end up. So that was our it. That's what it was for us. It's parenting with the relationship in mind, parenting in a way that when our kids are older and don't have to be with us anymore, they still want to and they still want to be with each other. I will be honest that this isn't a conversation my husband and I have had yet. Um, I think we've probably had it by maybe by accident, but not sitting down going like, sure, what is I our it? Yeah. 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 But as you're talking, I think like, I, I think that's ours as well. And, yeah. you know, but that, yeah, it, it's looking at, and, and I think for me personally too, as a mom, I think about for my own kids, I always say, you know, yes, I, it's not that I don't want them to be athletically successful or that I don't want them to be academically successful. Absolutely. But for me is if I launch my kids into the world and they've had all of the accolades and they've had all the things, but they're a 25 year old jerk, like (laughs) (laughs) then I haven't done what I actually want to do. Um, You know, I I want to raise compassionate, caring, empathetic, uh, kids who grow into adults who are compassionate and caring and empathetic. But also, again, that that family mindset where it's, yeah, you, we, we like each other. We don't just love each yeah. other. And I will say right now, just real, real, uh, you know, we've got some sibling fights oh. right now that are, I'm, I'm going, we had it. Yeah. please <laughs> tell me that this gets better. Sandra, tell me this gets it does. better. It does. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's so interesting because as you think about you know, all of this stuff, it does not even parenting toward it, toward, you know, with the relationship in mind or toward that end goal of kids who, you know, want to be with you and each other when they don't have to be, it does not mean that it's going to be smooth sailing Mm -hmm. all the way. It just does not mean that our kids, there were seasons where I wondered if they would even ever speak to each other when they didn't have to, (laughs) much less, you know, want to be together. And so you are fine. And I think, you know, for us, the foundational thing behind parenting with the relationship in mind was really about establishing an environment of honor. So instead of having a thousand rules, you know, that cover everything, the conversation in our home that we tried to have constantly was about honor. We honor each other. And Mm. at the end of the day, if that is something they take away, then, you know, it's going to impact the relationship with you. It's going to impact their relationship with each other. It's going to impact their relationships with their bosses, with their employees, with their friends, all of those things. And so our big thing was we are parenting in a way to have these relationships intact with the relationship in mind, but it's all about honor and learning to make decisions through the framework of is this honoring. And that was that's a big part of what we talk about in the book because it's such a big deal as it relates to relationships family relationships, and certainly even more broadly, the rest of their lives kinds of relationships. When you and Andy sat down and you you had this conversation and you began to to think about this a little bit more consciously as far as really, you know, parenting with that relationship in mind and, and parenting with honor, were there any conscious decisions you made at the time to say, like, this is what something we're going to do going forward? Or was it just really more of a every little decision along the way you had conversations about? I'm just curious, like, was there a mindset shift as you moved forward? Yeah, that's a great question, because you're in the thick of it in the, with a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. So yeah. you're in the thick of it. And you know that some days you're just trying to get to the end of the day with everybody still living. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You haven't killed them and they haven't killed each other, right? And so 
you know, to think, oh, well, the Stanleys had this framework of honor in their every day. Not realistic. <laughs> uh, we were a real family with real stuff and real schedules and real chaos and all the things. But I'll tell you where we really honed in on the idea of honor. And that was restoring relationships because with the, you know, your kids right now, you know, if you got the whole sibling thing going on, that's going to continue for a while. We wanted our kids to understand how to restore broken relationships. Mm. So, you know, anytime we dishonor someone, if we lie to someone, if we steal from someone, if we use unkind words towards someone or all the different things that, you know, that are in the basket of, of dishonor, anytime we do those things, it's almost as if we have a debt to pay and we um, have to figure out how to apologize appropriately and how to restore the relationship. One of the things we did with our kids, and this is kind of a practical thing, kind of for where you are, we never allowed our kids to just look at each other and say, sorry, you know, <laughs> when we, you know, okay, you say you're sorry, you say you're sorry, sorry. That's not what we were after because we were after honor. Hmm. And so we would make our kids look at each other in the eye and say, Andrew, I'm so sorry that I broke your whatever on, you know, intentionally or Allie, I'm so sorry that I said such a mean thing to you or whatever. They had to look each other in the eye. They had to apologize and name the thing they did. Mm. And so, you know, in the everyday stuff with our kids, it's little things like that. It's asking ourselves, okay, even in the crazy, just sibling stuff, what does honor look like? You know, what does it look like for me to help Andrew see what honor looks like in this relationship? And then as they got older, you know, it became relationships outside of our family. And we had our kids write apology notes a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, that was our practical way of restoring a relationship of, you know, giving honor where maybe we had taken some away. And um, one of uh, Andy's most brilliant parenting moment was about relationship restoration. And I think as parents, when it comes to our discipline of our kids, it is so easy to say, okay, no more gaming for you for a week. Or if for older kids, give me your keys or give me your phone or, you know, for younger kids, you know, you get a timeout or, you know, taking things away or just kind of dispensing the easiest, you know, kind of discipline thing you can think about. We decided that disciplining our kids was our primary way to help them understand honor. Hmm. And so in the different seasons of parenting, this looked differently, but Andy's just, you know, big parenting moment was when one of our boys was just driving um, and he was a big man, you know, cause he's a driver now. So he was all the things, you know, just oh, yeah. up about I can go where I want now. And so he was going to be leaving to go somewhere. And I was telling him, you know, we're not going to do that today. That's and, and in his mind, I have a driver's license. So I am my own man. <laughs> And I'm trying to explain. No, you see, that is not how it works. Yeah. So anyway, there was this encounter that turned into a really disrespectful thing where he's in his truck and I'm telling him, you know, get out of your truck and he rolls the window up while I'm talking. Mm. Yeah. So talk about dishonor, disrespect, you know, all the things. So I thought, okay, we'll have a discussion about this. You just go right ahead, buddy. Just go right ahead. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're going to hear about this later. This is not going to be good. So... <laughs> So in this situation, it was one where Andy decided he wanted to step in and we could talk about this or not, but we had two primary rules in our family and Andy was the one that came up with them. I really appreciated him. The first one was honor mom. 
And the second one was don't tell a lie. Those were our two big things that a whole bunch of other things just naturally flowed from, but those two were big ones. So because this was one of the big two that was the offense, dishonoring mom, this was going to be, you know, for Andy to handle. And because he's older and as our kids get older, we don't have to deliver immediate consequences like we do when they're younger. He kind of let it hang out there for a minute because Garrett, Garrett, I'm just going to, you know, he was sweating. He was sweating. He was, he was sweating. He knew something. He knew that this was, you know, this could be potentially life-threatening. And um, so as you know, Andy really, and Andy wanted to take the time to think this through. As your kids get older, you really, really want to have some time to think things through. Mm. And so he told Garrett one day, he said, okay, here's what you got to do. You're going to ask your mom out on a date. You're going to take her to a nice restaurant and buy her dinner and ask for her forgiveness. Mm. And he's like, oh my gosh, dad, just take my phone, you know, just take my truck, you know, just <laughs> take the thing. I just please, you know, because this was this was a commitment. It was financial. It was emotional. It was all the things. And so, he, you know, obviously he didn't have any choice. So he came downstairs and he goes, Hey mom, I was just wondering if maybe um, tomorrow night we could, I could take you to dinner. And I said, sure. So, you know, so we, he picked a restaurant, took me to a nice dinner. We order. And he just looks at me across the table and he said, mom, I'm so sorry that I was so disrespectful. And, you know, then we just had a sweet conversation and he said, you know, I I hope you can forgive me. And I'm like, no, I'm mad still. No, you know, I did not say that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, my heart just, I just melted into a puddle in the boot. I know. So it was, it was the sweetest moment, but here's what really happened in this moment. I had forgiven him. You know, I had forgiven him the minute he drove out of the driveway. I was mom. Yeah. I adore him. So it wasn't really even an issue of forgiveness, but this was an opportunity for him to restore a relationship where there had been disrespect, dishonor. It was a relation. It was an opportunity for him to just to restore a relationship. And, you know, lessons like that, our children carry with them so much longer than give me your keys, give me your phone. This And it sets them up to understand how to restore relationships later in other situations that are going to matter with their future spouses, with their own kids, with a boss or, you know, or a neighbor or whatever. It just, it was just a really wonderful, wonderful moment. Mm. Um, And that's what it looks like in the older years. And if you're up for one more story, I can tell you one when they were younger, kind of your boys, your kids ages. Well, I think Um, is, is it the story with the babysitter? Yes. Did you read the story? So I read, so so I got to that part of the book. Yes. And it was, I, one, I laughed so hard because I have done similar things with my kids and you're right. So yes, I would love for you to tell this story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they were probably your, your kids ages and Andy and I got home from somewhere. They weren't quite old enough not to have a babysitter yet. You know, if we were going out for a whole evening. So we get home, babysitter, you know, is always sweet. She's, you know, she's always like, oh yeah, they were wonderful. They were wonderful. Well, this particular night, she was like, I mean, it would have been a better night. And so we had to drag out of her, but the boys had been really disrespectful. And um, so the next morning I told him, I said, hey, I want, it was during the years that I was homeschooling them. So we had a little extra flexibility in our day. And I said, hey, I need y'all to get up. And I need you to write some notes to Julie and apologize for your behavior last night. Then I need you to get your wallets and meet me in the car. 
And they were just at the age where money was like valuable to them. Yeah. You know, they were just at that age where it's like our money, our wallets, wait, that's mine. You know, that's my money. So we go to Kroger. I make them buy Julie some flowers. They have their notes and they thought, okay, well, that's it. We'll give it to her next time we see her. And I said, now we're going to drive to Julie's office and you're going to walk into her office and you're going to look her in the eye and apologize and give her her notes and her flowers. And so, you know, here it was again, this was one of those opportunities for our kids to not just apologize, to not just be punished for something that they did, but to restore a relationship. And the truth is, like the situation with me, Julie had forgiven them. She was fine. I mean, she's a mature adult person, but this was really more for our kids and it was more for them to get that whole thing of, you know what, I've broken a relationship. I need to restore the relationship. Mm. So it's a big deal. And now at this point, I don't remember exactly even what your question was. No, yeah. I I mean, it was perfect. (laughs) And and that is, yeah, I I really love the approach to focusing on the relationship and parenting from that perspective. And it actually makes me think of a story. um, And and I want to say, I I will say this with like, I do not, I I feel like I fail more often than not with parenting. And I am... I think every parent feels fumbling along the way. And sometimes I am just like, oh, I really handled that incorrectly. And and I but I I'm very conscious to always like if I know I messed up, like if I just was at the end of my rope and I snapped at my kids and I just Mm -hmm. I immediately go and apologize. I say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? Um, But there was an incident maybe a month or two ago, where it was a a quintessential, I'd been telling this particular child (laughs) to not throw a ball in the house many, many times. I was like, look, I'm not trying to be the fun police, but we live on a 12 and a half acre farm. Go outside, like throw the ball outside. Why are you throwing the ball inside? Well, the ball kept getting thrown in the house. And I was, I happened to be home alone that night with the kids. My husband was out at a Bible study. And the ball hits the like just missed the, the TV, but it hits a um, a framed picture of my dog that we just had to put down and then shatters to the ground. And then along with like I had her collar there, like all it's like we just had to put my dog down. And then just this whole like little area I had shrine, shrine yeah. just shatters to the ground. And I was oh, immediately Oh, you know, but then I, the look on this child's face was horror of just knowing immediately and just start screaming. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll be. And then, so finally I send them up to the room. I go up there and I, I had this moment and I just prayed. I said, Holy spirit, like I need you to help me right now to figure out like, what's the best way to handle this? And, you know, like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't a big deal. But I realized it was this moment of, yes, she wasn't listening. (laughs) Yes, she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do. But I could have a conversation with her to explain. And so it, it became this moment where I looked her in the eye and just said, I forgive you. And I am gonna show you grace in this moment. And I'm not, I'm not mad, I'm upset you are going to buy me a new frame. <laughs> You're going to like, you know, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, but I need you to understand and respect why certain rules like that are just a pure yeah. safety rule or things like that. Yeah. And it just became this moment where we were able to have, there was no yelling, there was no anything like that. And the next day she said to me like, 
mom, I really appreciate that you forgave me so quickly. Like you didn't have to do that do that and I remember thinking like all right I feel like I finally did something right (laughs) got one right I got one right well and you know what's the the wonderful thing about that is that you're preparing them for later you're preparing them for later there you model for them what it looks like to forgive and it actually raised up in her a gratitude toward you. And these are just healthy things for them for later. And and I just, I love that. I love that. And it, you know, it would have been so easy to fly off the handle. I think in those moments when we can stop and take a deep breath and invite the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. to go, okay, I'm feeling very, I'm feeling no fruits of the Spirit at this moment. <laughs> not feeling patience, kindness, you know, I'm not feeling any. Yeah. Of it. So I'm really going to need you to manifest your own good, great stuff through me. Yeah. That's just such a brilliant, such a brilliant parenting thing to stop, to pause, to respond rather than react yeah. and allow the Holy Spirit to do that through you. Such, such a healthy thing. Yeah. And that's, and uh, th- that it takes practice. And and this is one of the things it I does. keep trying to work on with them too, because especially at six and nine, like they're the kind of kids that just, they kind of lack impulse control is like a lot of times sure. I'm just like, naturally, it's yes. like one punches the other and then the other immediately punches right back. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> This, this kind of transitions a little bit too, um, because we're kind of talking about discipline. And um, but one of the things that I also find really fascinating is you talk about how having a lot of rules doesn't necessarily correlate with successful parenting. And so you really right. focus it more again on that keeping it relational rather than just creating a set of rules. What did yeah. that look like for you? Because I I struggle with this and I sometimes yeah. think like, oh, I just need to like lay out all these rules. But I love that you're just like, we kind of had two and it's honor mom and don't tell yeah. a lie. Right. What does that look like right. practically? Well, I do think it goes back to the stages of parenting too. So much of this is is stage oriented. So just for the sake of the reader, we we didn't come up with this on our own. We learned it from several different places, these different stages of parenting. And zero to five years old are the discipline years. And those are the years where you're just, you know, teaching your kids there are consequences for actions. It's like a foundational life lesson. There are consequences for actions. Often it's for their safety or for their good or yeah. you know, just the, during those discipline years, big deal. Training years, kind of five years old to 12 years old, you are really kind of explaining as you're training. You're helping them understand there's a reason for what we're requiring of you. And it's training them for life. You know, it's training them in so many different things. And during that season, we practiced everything. We did redos. I mean, we just, there's so many things you can do during those years because they're still young enough that everything is fun and nothing is dumb. Yeah. But, you know, hit 13, 14, 15, everything is dumb and nothing is fun. So, you know, when you hit the coaching years, it's old everything. So take advantage of those training years. But then the coaching years are, you know, kind of 12, 13 to about 18. And those are the years where you're standing more on the sidelines and you're letting them figure stuff out. You yank them off the field every once in a while. But, you know, for the most part, you're connecting rather than correcting. Mm. This is when you really, really want to connect with your kids rather than just be correcting them all the time. And that's true during the training years too, but really during those coaching years, you can drive them away with, you know, Mm -hmm. with all your rules and regulations and only talking about that all the time. So to your question, parenting with the relationship in mind versus a whole bunch of rules, of course, you're going to have rules in your home. Of course, you've got standards you expect everybody to, to meet, but 
I think it really boils down to in this particular season, what does it look like? So during those training years, when you're when you're really practicing things, when you're trying to help them understand, you may have a you know you've got some neighborhood rules. You know you've got some hey here's we you know we don't go in the neighbor's house or you know you've got some things like that that are for their safety. But you also you know are are helping them understand the why behind things, and that's right. relational, and it takes more time. So parenting with the relationship in mind, a lot of times just causes us to have to slow down in our parenting to understand their capacity and to parent to their capacity, to not expect them to, to know things we haven't trained them or taught them and to not expect them to respond, you know, in some more mature way than their age. And then in the coaching years, it's the same thing. We are parenting for the, to the relationship rather than to rules. So obviously we still got rules, but we are coaching and and this is the season where we let them experience more of the consequences of their behaviors rather than putting consequences on them ourselves mm. because that's what the real world is all about right. they're about to step out of our homes and be on their own and we want them to understand just because i'm not there doesn't mean that you can behave in any way you want to there are consequences real world consequences for your actions so disciplining with the relationship in mind is really understanding where is my child in their in their you know discipline training or coaching season and what does it look like for me to parent them with the relationship in mind so that I'm preparing them for what comes next and preparing them for the future. And again, it burns more calories because we have to think harder, you know, more mental calories. It's yeah. like we have to pause. We have to think. We have to go, okay, what is the natural consequence that would be associated with this? Let's try that first before we just send somebody to their room or take their thing or, or whatever. It, it takes a little more time and intentionality. Yeah, man, that's such good advice. Well, one of the things that I, I kind of see in all of these really comes down to the importance of communication and communication yeah. with your spouse, communication with your kids. And that is something that I feel like my parents did really well. They certainly didn't, you know, ace it all the time, but I do mm -hmm. feel like there was never a time where I couldn't go to my parents and ask a question. And I've tried to you know, John and I have tried to cultivate that with our kids as well and, and let them know from an early age, you can come to us and ask us any question. And we've tried to open the door to conversations about even, you know, things like sex and, uh, you know, our bodies and, you know, uh, social sure. media and all these kinds of things from an early on point, because I, I, I tell them regularly you're going to have questions and I would rather you come to me first than Google or yes. a friend at school. Like I want you, sure. I want us to be the, the trusted source of information. And so I feel like that, it, that kind of just goes hand in hand with all of these mm -hmm. things. So how, how did you and Andy cultivate an environment that encouraged your kids to actually talk to you and to share and to yeah. open up and because sometimes I will say like there are times where especially my daughter will just look at me and is like, mm -mm, I'm not going to talk to you. And I have to drag it out of her. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, is am I doing the right thing? But by the time she gets it out, she feels better. And I know she sure. does, but it's getting there where I'm just like, yeah, just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, great question. Well, one of the things that that we figured out in our journey is that all three of our kids are completely different. They are completely different from each other and from us, you know, so we can see little bits of ourselves in in our kids. Um, And so there may be one that's more like me or more like Andy, um, which is definitely the case. But I think if we we live in the age of Enneagram temperament studies. Yeah. You know, love languages, you know, all the things. We have so many tools now to understand our kids. Right. And I think that's important. I think those are great tools and not taken too crazy, you know, but but to to use those things to understand our kids better is great. So one of the things we discovered as it relates to communication to your question is they all have environments where they're more likely to talk. And we learned early on that for Andrew, our oldest, if he is watching a Braves game or some kind of sports thing on TV, and if I would go sit down with him and just watch the game with him quietly because he's firstborn, you know, a little more introverted, even though he's a comedian, which was a whole curveball thing. But anyway, so he's just more introverted. I, if I sat there with him and watched the ball game and then just gently had, you know, conversation back and forth. That was where I could get the most out of him. We mm. could get into a great conversation. We're watching the game. We're not looking at each other eye to eye. He just wasn't a look at me eye to eye, have a hard conversation. But if we're watching a ball game, we could talk and it just, he just would open up. Mm. I love with that. Garrett with our middle one, we learned early on if I scratch Garrett's back, he will talk as long as I will scratch his back. I love that. I'm telling you at night I would go in and I would scratch his back and we would just chat. And then I could slip in a little more difficult question and I'm scratching and he's talking. And that was just the magic sauce for him to open up. Now they didn't always tell us everything. It's not realistic to think that your kids are going to tell you everything all the time. Right. But when there needed to be either, you know, a little more of a difficult conversation we just figured out the environments and which one of us was better with which kid was a big thing too. With Allie, when she walked in the door from school or she walked in the door from being gone somewhere, everything just spilled out of her mouth. <laughs> oh, you're just not going to even believe blah, 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 blah. And she would tell me everything in that moment. But if I'm not standing there when she walks in the door with all of her big package of news, I just missed it. If she got up to her room and got started with something else, I missed my opportunity. Mm. So even if I go in there and scratch her back, she's like, well, don't, don't touch me. I mean, you know, it's just, she's not her brother and they're just all so different. And so in those moments when she would rush in, those were the times when I could say, oh, Allie, tell me more about that. Well, what about the other night when blah, 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 blah. She would just talk then. So to answer your question, I, there's no, there's no magic bullet to getting your kids to all just tell you everything. But I think if we are students of our kids, just like if we're students of our spouse, yeah. when we are students of our kids, we understand better what makes them tick. We understand what the environments are that open them up and make them a little more free with their sharing what's on their heart. We can get there. But once again, it's not easy. It's not a, hey, I'm going to push play on you and I want you to tell me everything that I want to know. That's just not realistic. We have to do the work to get the stuff out of our kids, especially as they get older, especially as they get older. Yeah. And then we have to respond carefully. Yes. They do tell us stuff. Yeah. Because then (laughs) you don't want to... a lot about that in the book. Yeah. You don't want to shut them down when when they're vulnerable. And then then they're like, well, I never want to do that again. (laughs) 
So yes, you want to be trustworthy with, with what they end up telling you. And you want to never re- overreact to what they're telling you because it will shut them down super fast when you do either one of those. Yeah. We were laughing actually at dinner last night because my six-year-old son would, was just, he was, I don't know what, did they give him like just pure sugar at school? I don't know. He came home yesterday yeah. just wide open and he was emitting sound constantly for the entirety of like three <laughs> hours. And we're sitting at the dinner table and he's just yeah. repeating words over and over. He's like, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. and my daughter was had about had it. And she just kept yelling yeah. at him and Got was it. like, Amos, stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> and um, we laughed though, because when he was little, so my daughter talked really early. So she was like full coherent sentences by a year and a half. But then my son came along and he barely talked till he was like two and a half or three because his sister did all the talking yeah. for him because you would ask <laughs> him a question yeah. and she would answer. Yeah. And so we're like, do you remember, Lily, like when you used to answer for Amos? And she, <laughs> she's like, no, yeah. I don't remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, but that that's so important, finding those ways that each of your kids uniquely open yeah. up and and what that looks like practically. Yes. And you're right. I love that being a student of your kids, just like you are of your spouse. Mm. That's so, so important. It's a a really big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Well, and it's funny, their dynamics with each other, but too, because uh, with Garrett being the middle one, he was more, I don't know if you've done the temperament, the colors, the testing. No, but I I should do that. It's so cool. It's a book called, um, I said this, you heard that by Mm. Kathleen Edelman. And it's basically the, you know, kind of the four quadrants of um, temperaments that you see with the disc tests, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she puts colors on it. So anyway, Aunt Garrett is our yellow. He's like life of the party. He loves being around people. He thrives in a crowd, you know, just, just that. And Andrew is the opposite. He's more, he's the blue. He's more introverted. He's more, you know, just give me the facts. We don't have to have a whole long conversation. Just tell me what you want me to do. So anyway, with Garrett, as the younger brother to Andrew, Garrett was constantly just picking and picking and, you know, standing at the edge of Andrew's room going, I'm not in your room, I'm not in your room. <laughs> and then, you know, sticking his toe over, you know, and Andrew just nails uh, him with something, you know, yeah. flying the flash there. So there's, there's all of that kind of stuff, communication with each other. And in order to be so encouraging to you and to your listeners, their relationship now, all three of them with each other, it is just one of the most it's one of the things that brings me the most joy mm. is watching my kids as adult, as young adults choose each other and um, enjoy each other's company. I, there's just no joy like that. And, you know, and really, Molly, I think it points to the heart of our heavenly father. Yeah. When he sees us treating each other with respect, choosing each other, loving each other, serving each other. It just must bring him so much joy because I think a, a parent heart is all about that when they look at their children. And that just has been one of the greatest rewards in this season of our life is watching our kids choose each other and like each other and want to be friends with each other, even though they don't have to. It's just, it's been a really sweet thing to watch. That is so sweet. Because and it was not always that way. And I, it and that's something I pray not. for all the time is I just, I want my kids to grow up and, and yeah, I want them to be best friends. And I selfishly, yeah. like, I mean, we, like I said, we live on a farm. I'm like, look, we got space. Y'all can build houses here. We can just have a little family yeah, commune. We can all live together. Our just, little com- yeah, I would just love choice. it. I'll watch your kids. <laughs> I know. Yes. It's perfect. I know. I know. They may, they may get there one day, but they, but they may not. So. 
Well, before we um, end our time, there was one more question I wanted to ask you before I kind of get to our concluding segment. Um, And that is how I love that you really have wrapped all of this up um, in a faith framework. And that, um, you know, as we've kind of said, is inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting our Heavenly Father into our parenting journeys is of the utmost importance and acknowledging that we are absolutely going to fail and we are absolutely absolutely. going to get things wrong and we are never going to be perfect parents. And I I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, look, I mess up all the time and I know that I'm going to mess up. Thankfully, you have a father in heaven who is a perfect father. The only perfect parent. The only perfect parent. So you can look to him. Um, But what do you, what is your prayer and what's Andy's prayer for this book as far as what parents take away from this book with that faith framework in mind? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a great question. You know, our it was about relationships. It's all about relationships. And we also, we wanted to raise kids who felt accountable to God and who sought God's will for their lives. And our goal for them as it relates to their spiritual journeys was that they would have a faith of their own. Their their faith would not be something that um, was, you know, tradition or something that was mine and Andy's, but that at some point during their years growing up, they would own their faith. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all see our kids go through different seasons where we think, oh man, they got it. They've they've figured, you know, they, they're just in step with the Lord, can see the Holy Spirit moving in their lives, all of those things. And then there's seasons of their lives where we don't see it. And we just think, oh, oh God, could you just please, please, please make yourself so real to them. And that was a prayer that we prayed a lot. But, you know, in our home, one of the ways that we did that, well, there were a number of things that we did with our kids. We wanted them to leave our home with the habit of a quiet time. And um, that was, that's been something that has been important to me my whole life. And it's been something that's been important to Andy his whole life to have a morning time alone with our Heavenly Father, kind of setting the tone for the day. And so, you know, when we, I've, I get asked all the time, you know, should we make our kids have a quiet time? Should we make our kids have a quiet time? And nobody wants their kids to have a quiet time more than Andy. And we're both seminary graduates. We both love the Lord. We both love the church. And we both want, you know, we just want that for our kids. We want them to own their faith. And my answer is always, you don't make your kids, but you model it, you encourage it, and you make it easy. Mm-hmm. You model it, you encourage it, you make it easy. Are your kids seeing you with your Bible on your lap at certain times of the day where you are praying? Maybe they see you on your knees. You're modeling for them what it looks like to have some time alone with their, with your heavenly father, because that's how they grow in their faith. Or one of the many ways that they grow in their faith, but one of the primary ways. And then, so model it, model it, uh, encourage it, model, it, encourage it, encourage it. So I think, you know, again, being a student of your kids, you figure out how they tick and, you know, what is the best time of day for them? What is, what are the best tools for them based on their personalities? You model it, you encourage it and you make it easy. Every Easter, their Easter basket is all about their quiet time. And I put the chocolate in there and the new flip flops you know, and all this <laughs> stuff, but it is really about their quiet time. There may be a new devotional book in the air. We always made sure our kids in every season had an age appropriate Bible that they could handle on their own and read. But, you know, Easter baskets were just, hey, here's some fun pins. Here's a great biography of or autobiography of a baseball player who just really loves the Lord. Why don't you read that? I mean, just tools for them to grow in their faith. But 
But the bottom line is you want them to own their faith and whatever it takes to do that, you know, to be in a church where they've got other adults pouring into them, teaching them the same things. It's just, you know, it's just super important. That was super important to us. Yeah. And I love how intentional you are with that because, you know, you're, you're right. And I mean, I think you even kind of alluded to this too, is like, especially growing up children of pastors and, you know, in the church and just, you, you always hear those horror stories of PKs and like, you know, and you you don't want that reason not to marry a preacher. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, but you, but then you see on the flip side, and actually my husband and I were talking with our pastor about this recently too, because they've got, you know, they've got three kids, they've got one in college and one that's a senior in high school and one that is a junior in high school. And they're three just really great kids. And we, and, and, you know, a lot of it, and they, they said is just like, it's that intentionality. It's that sacrifice. It's modeling mm-hmm. the behavior. It's encouraging. Them. And I, I think that they've done a lot of those same things. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I see that in my husband as well as just his parents yeah. have, you know, they've been married over, gosh, probably close to 45 years at this point, you know, and just the way yeah. that they raised him and, you know, they just, uh, they really modeled this. And, and, um, so I, I really appreciate that because it's striving for progress and not perfection. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's especially hard for pastors, families, but also for anybody with, with a platform of influence, which we all have a platform of influence of some sort, but we can tend to want our kids to reflect something great about us, you know, to act a certain way, or, you know, we just, we, there, I think there's an internal natural tendency for us to parent them with our reputation in mind, mm. as opposed to the relationship in mind. And I think in pastors families, particularly, you can slip into that because you've, you know, you've got pretty good motivation. I mean, you're pastors in your community and people are looking to you and looking to your family. And it's very easy to slip into, into parenting with reputation in mind rather than than um, relationship in mind. That yeah. was a big thing for us to figure out how to navigate and anybody with a platform of influence to figure out how to navigate. Yeah. And nothing will derail your kids' faith faster than for them to think that you only want them to behave a certain way so that you can look good. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough thing for them to swallow. Mm-hmm. And that will, you know, we've seen, we've seen people walk away from the Lord because of the, their parents yeah. pushing religion on them for religion's sake or for reputation's sake, rather than we want you to own your faith and have a deep and meaningful relationship with your heavenly father. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Sandra, this is so, so good. And I know that this, this book, um, I can't wait to finish it. Like I said, I just started it last week. Um, and I can't wait to finish it. And I just, it's already been really impactful. And I know that this book is going to impact so many parents and man, we didn't even get to, cause I wanted to even ask about how you've applied some of these things into fostering. We could do a whole nother episode yeah. on that. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, it didn't go as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother ball game. The little peak. Yeah. yeah. Now is the portion of the show, um, Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder, where we talk a little bit about some of the good things and the hard things in life. So uh, question number one is, what is the last thing that made you laugh? The last thing that made me laugh. Okay, so thank that we always have our Thanksgiving the day after on Friday, and our kids go be with their in-laws on Thanksgiving Day, and we usually go down to my parents' farm down in middle Georgia, but this year, because of the new baby, we all were here. When I see my kids gathered with my sister's kids and just their banter 
and the funny memories they have. And like I said, we did Hilton Head every year, all of us together. So they have so many common memories. The last thing I laughed really hard about was on Friday, listening them recount a trick-or-treating thing that they did when they were, you know, kind of your kids' ages. Yeah. And my sister and I, honestly, we were laughing so hard. We just, it was one of those stomach, yeah. this is really painful. I have to stop laughing now. <laughs> kind of laughs just watching them talk about and recount this situation that happened. So that was my last big laugh. I love it. Friday. Well, I so I love those laughter conversations around the dinner table. And I come from I, I come yeah. from a very big, loud Irish Catholic family. And so like, yeah. let me just say that there's when a I, lot, yeah. there's a lot of big, loud personalities. And so it is definitely the it. kind of family that like where you just mm. you just keel over with laughter and your stomach hurts, your cheeks hurt, yeah. everything hurts. And yeah, but it's like you've lost 100 pounds just in laughter. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, right. Okay. Well, what is the last thing that made you cry? Oh gosh. Well, so on 11, 11, 22, we had our grandbaby mm. and we're in the waiting room and Allie's husband texts us a picture. She had a C-section, so he was the only one that could be in there. And he texts us a picture of right after Haven was born and oh, name. The, you know, you see doctor's gloves, you know, kind of cleaning her up and we're, we're looking at her. It's Andy and me and Clay's parents and one of his brothers. And we're all looking at this picture and we just are all crying because we're looking at this baby that just, in you know, looks so perfect. And it was just one of those highly emotional moments. So, um, that was two, three Fridays ago <sighs> and it was gosh, so, so emotional and so sweet and our first so, you that. know, there's, there's that where you just are like, oh my goodness, this has really happened. And look, there's this little human that we all are just going to love. It was a sweet moment. That's really sweet. Yeah. I remember um, my husband is very like, he's, he's a pretty stoic guy. Like he's not the kind of guy that you really like see get emotional. But when um, we had our first, so we didn't find out if it, if it was a boy or a girl and she was born, I ended up having a C-section as well. And she was born. I looked yeah. over and he just had tears streaming down his face. And then I started crying. Yeah. And it's just one of those. Yeah, it's 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 indescribable. Uh, it really is. Yeah, it is. It so is. sweet. So emotional. OK. And then the last and it was my girl. You know, there's a little uh, bit of that. Too. Yeah. It's my little girl that, you know, I had a little girl. I know. Oh, so you're going to make me so cry. Mind blowing things. I know. You're going <laughs> to so. make me cry. Yeah. Just the other day, my my daughter was like, Mom, can I tell you what I'm going to name all of my kids? And I was like, mm, you're nine. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Also, this is not allowed to happen for many years because you're nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. And then the last question um, is how do you choose joy in the good times and the hard times? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, one of the things that I, so I'm very, I'm very analytical person. So I, I like everything in order and all that. So my quiet time, I have a quiet time journal, but I have a prayer notebook. And in my prayer notebook, when you open it on the front page is my daily things that I pray for. So all of the things that I want to pray for and people that I want to pray for every day. But then I have my tabs and there's a Monday tab and a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then Saturday, Sunday is pray for whatever. So on my, um, one of my, tabs at the top of the top of each of my daily tabs is a prayer that I uh, prayed. And it just goes like this. It's God, would you just 
make me joyful about what brings you joy? And would you break my heart over the things that break yours? Mm. And I think that sets the tone for my day to, to understand what really should bring me joy. I want the things that brings my heavenly father joy to bring me joy. And so that's just a prayer that I pray. And um, that would maybe be the answer to how I try to stay in that, you know, joyful mindset when things are good or when things are bad. God, show me what brings you joy and let those things bring Oh, so good. Sandra, this has been such a gift. Thank you so much for being my guest and thank you for being here today. And thank you for all that you do to honor God and honor your family. It's really, really encouraging. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you, Molly. Thank you. I hope you loved this conversation with Sandra. There were so many aha moments in it for me and so many things that I have actually been talking about with my husband and my friends long after I finished this conversation. I'm telling you, it is something that has really made me shift how I interact with my husband, how I interact with my kids and interact with my friends and and just even conversations about motherhood that I have. I'm telling you, I just, I loved this so much and I hope and pray that you got something out of it as well. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried. And I hope you laughed till you cried. Be sure to tune in next week where my guest is Jesse Eubanks. And oh man, we got another bombshell coming for you next week. Jesse is the author of How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram. So if you have heard anything about the Enneagram, I'm telling you, you are going to love this conversation. Whether you kind of fall in the, you like the Enneagram, you don't like the Enneagram, no matter what camp you fall into, I think you're going to find the conversation fascinating. I'm telling you, there were a couple of mind-blown moments for me. We may have even had basically just like a therapy session right there in the conversation. You're going to love it. Jesse is brilliant. And I really love how he talks about how we just use the Enneagram as a tool to help us understand how we relate to people, whether that's our spouse or our friends or our colleagues, and ultimately how we relate to God. You are going to be blown away by that conversation. I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode. Thank you for your support and for your excitement for the new name, Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? If you are not already subscribed or following this show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to shows. And would you take a moment to click that subscribe or follow button? And especially since we've got this new brand out there, I would just really, really love it if you would take a moment to leave a review of the show because that is going to really help this show get in front of more people and help us to grow. And when somebody asks you, you know, what podcast are you listening to? One of the biggest things you can do to help the show is recommend it to others. So if you love this show, please, please, please share it with a friend, share it on social media. You can find us on Instagram at still being Molly or at can I laugh pod. And you can use our show hashtag, which is can I laugh pod. And we would just love, love, love to see your shares and to see where you're listening and all of that. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to the team at Third Wheel Media for helping to produce this show. And this week, I hope something makes you laugh till you cry. See you next week.